On Wednesday nights, Pastor Tim has been teaching a series called Spiritual Warfare. But also on Sunday mornings, he's been talking about worth sharing. And before I go any further, Pastor Tim will continue his series worth sharing this coming Sunday. So you be here. No, no, really, you be here. <laughs> but in those two series, uh, the Lord's been speaking to me when he asked me to do this. And, and this is real life, and we deal with spiritual warfare. And one of the scriptures that he's been talking about is in Colossians 1.13. And it says this, that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us unto the kingdom of his son of his love. A couple of translations say this, that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us, transferred us, rescued us, delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son of his love. And I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. That's good news that I'm not going to have power over darkness. The Bible says that I already have been delivered from the power of darkness. I have been delivered. You have been delivered. But Pastor Tim has also been talking about this, that we sometimes can be careless, rebellious, or unbelieving. You can be on your way to heaven right now and still live a defeated life. Maybe I'll, I'll need to say that again. You can be on your way to heaven today, right now. If Jesus were to return or God forbid you were go by the way of the grave, but you can live a defeated life right now here on earth. Because you've never instituted the armory that you have inside of you. The Bible says that we have the helmet of salvation. The, bless, the breastplate or the breastplate, uh, the breastplate of righteousness and so on and so forth. And those aren't just to be hanging somewhere in the corner. You got to put that stuff on. And realize that the life that you live today is a, is a battle. Thank God that the Bible says that the, that the Lord will fight with us. But you and I have to do our part. We just can't sit on the sidelines and wait for God to take care of it all. It says, the Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And if you just are speaking negative, stop blaming God for negative things that are happening in your life. Did I just say that? Yes, I said that. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. And I don't want to make it spooky or weird. But the supernatural is real. There are angels and there are demons. There is the word of God. There are things happening right now while we're here that we cannot see. The spiritual realm exists. But the Bible says, blessed are they who have not seen but yet believe. I don't have to see an angel, but I know angels work on my behalf. Salvation is a great thing, but we cannot be careless, rebellious, or unbelieving. In Hebrews 2, 3, and I didn't, it's not going to go up on the scripture, but it says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How many of you have heard of Jesus Christ? How many of you heard of the promises that are in the Bible? How many of you here have experienced some of those things in your life? But what you have heard has nothing to do with the way that you live now. There are people today, like I said, that have been careless, rebellious, or unbelieving. Have you ever met an unbelieving believer? Have you ever met an unbelieving believer? 
Have you ever known or do you know today an unbelieving believer? The biggest question is, is, have you ever been an unbelieving believer? You know what? I know I have. I know I have. But we all start somewhere. But God wants to take us and move us forward. These are the people that are on their way to heaven, but they don't believe in healing. Some people don't even believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in spiritual gifts, prophecy. They don't believe in a, in a prayer language or speaking in tongues. They don't believe in the supernatural, in angels or demons or spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real, but it's not weird. The supernatural exists. I'm going to read these scriptures to you and it will go up on the screen here. In Matthew 17, 1 through 8, it says this. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, referring to Jesus. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles or altars, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Watch this. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell to their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Then he lifted up his eyes. Then they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus. That's supernatural. No, no, listen to me. That's supernatural. That when the disciples went with Jesus, watch this, they went with Jesus. You have to come along with Jesus. And when you come along with Jesus, the supernatural will be more and more real to you. But watch this. They saw something, and then all of a sudden what happens there is, it's good that we be here and we have to make this monument, Peter said. But then all of a sudden, the voice of God spoke and they were afraid. Sometimes the supernatural can be scary. You ever seen the manifestation of a demon? I've been overseas, and I've been Mexico, and I've been with curanderas and witchcraft and all this different stuff, and I don't want to get weird or spooky. But the first time that I saw that, it scared me. I, I freaked out. I wanted to get out of the room. But then something on the inside of me rose up and reminded me of the scripture that says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's reality of demonic warfare here on the earth today. But the Bible says this, that when the disciples went to Jesus, that they were afraid. But they said, don't be afraid. Arise. You can't be afraid when the enemy attacks you. Because if you cower, guess what he'll do? He'll attack more and more. You have to get up on the inside. And you have to fight. Everyone say fight. This is the real deal. The supernatural exists. Angels exist. In Mark 1.13 it says this. And he, Jesus, was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with wild beasts. And the angels came and they ministered to him. The supernatural is real. And I said all this to tell you this phrase that we hear here a lot. That you are never alone and that you are never without help. No, no, listen. You are never alone and you are never without help. You are never alone 
and you are never without help. But when fear strikes, the first thing you think is, where is God? Don't look at me so strange, folks. I'm telling you the truth. When fear comes into your life, you always say, where is God? What's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? You haven't done anything wrong. It's that the enemy wants to isolate you and cause you to fear. Fear moves the devil like faith moves God. Take a deep breath. I'm getting too excited here. I better calm down a little bit. You have to have some resolve on the inside of you. Do you really believe what you say that you believe? Do I really believe what I say I believe? I am never alone and I am never without help. In Psalms 100 verse 3, it says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Question, is God through Jesus Christ the good shepherd in your life? And if He's the good shepherd, will He not take care of His sheep? If He will take care of us, then we must understand that we are never alone. And what? We are never without help. Never alone and never without help. But I can't come up here and tell you it's all a a bed of roses without thorns. I can't tell you you're never going to go through anything. The Bible tells us and shows us that the devil has ability. The ability to lie, to manipulate, to corrupt, to destroy. But the Lord has authority in truth, in creation and restoration. The devil with his ability and the Lord with his authority... Whom will you and I obey? The Lord, right? Then if we obey the Lord, why is it that we're so fearful at times? Why is it that Jesus himself had to wake up from the midst of a boat and say, Why are you so afraid? Because the tendency of sheep not being connected to a shepherd is the sheep get frightful. The the sheep fear. I'm going to share something with you. Have you ever noticed in pictures, and I've looked this up, that shepherds have different lengths of staffs? That's for a reason. Think about a group this big. Say that you were all sheep, which in the kingdom of God we are. If one of the lambs or one of the sheep starts to tremble, the next one to it will start to tremble. And then the next two, and the next two. And all of a sudden, the shepherd will take his long staff And he will touch the lambs and the sheep. And that reassures the sheep that they're connected to the shepherd. So when you're afraid, why is it that you're so fearful? Why is it that you believe that you have no help? If he is the good shepherd, his rod and his staff, what do they do? The Bible says they, it comforts us. But the enemy with his ability comes to try to lie to you. And manipulate you. Telling you that you're not good enough. Who said that you weren't good enough? Adam and Eve. Adam ate. And they hid themselves. And they heard Jesus. Excuse me, they heard the Lord. was Jesus too. Walking in the cool of the day in the midst of the garden. And he said, Adam, where are you? Do you think God didn't know where he was? He said, I was afraid. And I hid myself. 
And because we are afraid, we hide ourselves. But then God asked Adam this question. Who told you that you were naked? Who said that you weren't good enough? Who said that you don't have potential? Who said that you cannot do what the Bible says you can do? You are never alone and you are never without help. We have been given authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Pastor Tim made a, a correlation to the authority of the, of the police officers that are here, Ocala Police and Marion County Sheriff. And when they flash their badge, it symbolizes the delegated authority that they have. And if that's not good enough, they will tase you. And if that's not good enough, they may club you. And if that's not good enough, yeah, they might shoot you. And if that's not good enough, they got people to back them up. Whether it's other police departments, the National Guard, and even if they have to go all the way to the military, delegated authority. The same thing with us. We have the name of Jesus. We've been given delegated authority in the name of Jesus to bind and to loose. And when we say in the name of Jesus and we believe it in faith, guess what? All of heaven backs us up waiting to move on our behalf. But we have to believe that. We have to believe that we're never alone and that we're never without help. Listen, that's not just a cliche. That's real. We are never alone. But sometimes we can become careless and rebellious or unbelieving. I'm going to throw out a name to you here, a biblical character, and think about the story. Samson. There's a lot of things we can say about Samson, good and bad. But watch. Samson was a Nazarite. He took a Nazarite vow. He was told not to drink, but he feasted with the Philistines. He was told not to touch any unclean thing, but one day he killed a lion on his way to go see his parents. On his way back, the carcass was there, but a beehive had made honey, or had a swarm of bees were in there, and he took the honey out of that and presented it to his parents without ever telling them anything that he touched an unclean thing. He took the fresh jawbone, the scripture says. In other words, a recently dead donkey, he took the jawbone and he killed some people. But the next thing he did after that, guess what? He went and slept with a prostitute. Can I say that in church? The next thing it says that he should not cut his hair. But he had his lap in the head, he had his head in the lap of Delilah, where a man, watch this, a grown man sleeping with his head in the lap of a woman, and another man can come in there and cut his hair. Some theologians and scholars say that he was passed out because he was drunk. He was rebellious. And what happens there is you have to understand that you cannot expect God to justify your consistent sinful habits. Listen, guys. God is merciful. And God is full of grace. But God is also just. If we want God to help us and really be assured that we're never alone or without help, we cannot consistently rebel and be careless with the thing God has committed into our hands. This is not a house of condemnation or judgment. This is not a house where we push law but there are consequences for sin. But yet God is merciful because we continue to see this in Scripture. In Judges 16, 28, 
After all Samson had done, he said this, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my eyes. What the Philistines had done, they had shaved his head. Then they poked his eyeballs out. And as I was studying and praying, do you know that sin will make you blind to the things that are in your life? Listen, sin will harden your heart. Sin will make you blind to the obvious. But God is still merciful. If you're having a Samson moment in your life, you can still call on the name of the Lord. And he will strengthen you. And he will forgive you and restore you. But once that happens, let's live a life that will exemplify Christ's likeness inside of us. Man, it's too quiet in this church. See, because I look over my life and I look at the transitions in my own life. When I was a young man on drugs and alcohol, in trouble with the law, and then had to have a, a waiver to enter the military. Thank God for the military, but there's some things that are very decrepit in the military that are not illegal. And I hardened my heart, and then I would ask God for help, and, and I wonder why he didn't move on my behalf. And it wasn't that he was, wasn't moving on my behalf. It's that I wasn't obeying what he told me to do. But then God, with his mercy and his grace, touched my life and transformed me. And if you're having a Samson moment in your life, just call on the name of the Lord, like Samson did. Call on the name of the Lord and pray, and you can do exploits and turn your mess into a message for the glory of God. We're going to talk a little bit about Joshua now. He was from the tribe of Ephraim, Ephraim, excuse me. His name was changed from salvation, Hosea, to Joshua. God is salvation. He was assistant to Moses, a military commander of Israel. Joshua, who, who was, was part of the 12 spies that went into the, the promised land. And, and he and Caleb brought back a good report. Joshua was with Moses partway up Mount Sinai, this great man. But then all of a sudden, the leader dies. And he doesn't know what to do. Have you ever had something in your life that you followed all of a sudden die, whether it be a person or a business or a marriage? And then all of a sudden, all hell seems to break loose on your behalf, making you fearful or isolated and you don't know what to do. But you know that you have a right heart. And here, the Lord speaks to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7 and 8, excuse me, Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. I don't like that name, the son of Nun. <laughs> Moses assistant saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. Verse 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous. There's a condition here. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according all that which is in, which, excuse me, the, all in the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the left nor to the right 
or to the left, excuse me, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, but I have, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Watch this. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's amazing. He tells them, be strong and be very courageous. And then he says, meditate on the law. Then he goes back to remind him again about being strong and courageous. Do you think God is trying to tell us something about being strong and courageous? And then he says, do not be afraid or dismayed. Do you know when you're fearful, you're confused? When you're fearful, you're dismayed. And the only thing that will counteract that is the spiritual warfare that you gain strength by reading and meditating in the Bible. When you read and meditate in the Bible, courage, faith, strength comes, fear leaves, direction comes. And sometimes I, I meet with people in my office and we pray with people and, and we believe in the power of prayer. But sometimes it's that you're making the wrong decisions based on you being afraid. So what we have to do is get the word of God on the inside of you. And that reminds me of something. Last week, Pastor Tim, uh, he showed a little video. Remember Wiley Coyote and, and, and the, the dog? Remember that? Well, when I used to get home from school, I used to watch Gilligan's Island. And Pastor Tim was there and Lee was there. And, no, I'm just kidding. But I watched Gilligan's Island. But then after that, I would watch Popeye. Popeye the Sailor Man. Maybe that's why I went in the Navy for 10 years. I don't know. But he used to have this saying. I've stands, all I've can stands, and I what? Can't stands no more. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? But then what did he do? He reached in and pulled out some spinach, right? He'd eat that. And it make him strong. Think of the principle. If you've had enough of your life going downhill, for lack of better words, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time for you to get up and put something on the inside of you that will give you strength and courage and destroy the fear that comes to try to destroy your life. Are you with me this evening? Praise the Lord. The same scripture, but out of the Message Bible, it says this, verses 7 and 8 of Joshua 1, it says, Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. Perfect thing. Make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let the book of the Revelation be out of, out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure to practice everything written in it. Then you'll get to where you're going and you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage, don't be timid, don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. You are never alone and you are never without help. In the spiritual warfare aspect, you have to take courage. And there's a, a prophet, his name is Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. And Elisha had this servant named Gehazi. Gehazi was with him 
since he was a wee little boy, the Bible says. Maybe not in those words, but you know what I mean. But as he was being raised, he saw Elisha do great things. And one time he goes to this king, his name is Nahum. And this king was full of leprosy. And the Bible says that Elisha went with him and Gehazi went with him. And he told him, hey, go wash in Jordan. He said, I don't want to go wash in that river. There's other rivers better. But anyway, he went, he washed and he was healed. And he wanted to give Elisha all this gold and all this silver and all this fine apparel. You like my new jacket? Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. It's linen and cotton, summer. But what he said, Elisha said, no. But Gehazi was tempted and had other thoughts. So this guy went away. Then Gehazi made a choice to go back to Nahum, and he lied. And when he lied, he said, hey, my master sent me. Get this. Here's this servant being with the man of God for a long, long, long time, and something enters his heart that he does not get rid of. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. Eventually, Gehazi was... You know, he told him the same leprosy that was in Nahum is now going to be in you. So, Elisha had to get a new servant. And this new servant was in this prophet school. And this guy was raised again. But one thing happened. That they were growing so big that he was asking Elisha, look at this school, it's getting so big. Let us go and build another place. So he starts chopping down these trees. And you know the story where this axe head fell out and they went into the river. And Elisha got a twig and pointed it. So he had seen great things. I'm talking about the servant had seen great things that this axe head floated. We're going to jump up a little bit forward now in this story. So the axe head floated and they built everything and everything was good. But then all of a sudden this king wants to kill the king of Israel. And the servant would always talk to Elijah. I like Bible stories. I don't know about you, but I like Bible stories. I get so much out of them. And what happened was this. That the servant of Elisha had seen these great things. And as they would talk and pray, they would tell the king of Israel, Hey, your enemy is coming. Don't go there. And so all of a sudden, the armies of Israel were liberated. No one did anything. But this one king of the enemy, the enemy's king said, gathered all his captains around and said, Hey, which one of you is betraying us? Who, which one of you? And he said, it's Elisha, this man of God and his servant. So they went to go assassinate Elisha and his servant. So they left. Here's my point. As the army of Israel was, was fleeing and Elisha was going in a different way with his servant, all this army followed Elisha. The enemy followed him and surrounded him in the mountains. Have you ever felt surrounded as a servant of God? Have you ever done the right thing and been tempted to do the wrong thing? But then all of a sudden, you feel like this enemy is encompassing about you and you know you're doing the right thing. But then all of a sudden, this happens. In 2 Kings 6, 14 through 17, it says this, Therefore he sent horses and chariots, referring to the enemy's king, and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? This servant 
that had seen all this stuff, the floating axe head, the prophecies, he said, what shall we do? He was afraid because he saw the armies of the enemy. So Elisha answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open my servant's eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Why am I telling you this? Because you and I are never alone. And we are never without help. Because in Psalms 100 verse 3 it says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. God will take care of His own. I said God will take care of His own. Realize that you are never alone and you are never without help. But you cannot walk just haphazardly. whatever will. No, you can't live that kind of life. Doris Day. I used to watch reruns with Popeye. I'm going to sing Mary Tyler Moore. No, I'm just kidding. You cannot just live any old way. But if you are having that Samson moment, or if you're fearful, or you've been tempted like a Hazai, or you don't know what to do like this young servant that was with Elijah. Just call on the name of the Lord. Change your life. People that come see me in my office, sometimes they feel very overwhelmed with things in their life. And I ask him this question. How do you eat an elephant? And some of them go, what? The answer is this, one bite at a time. And in life, sometimes you can feel overwhelmed and isolated and fearful. But if you feel that you're by yourself, you'll, you'll feel like you can't do it. But realize that God is on the inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you and I are never alone. And we are never without help. Did you guys receive something this evening?